and he's built built schools and he's done everything. And he does yeah. he does a lot of his salaries. That's, well, but you know, not everyone does it. That's the kind of the well. Thing. That's what I'm saying. He's probably he's one of those people who have experience like abject poverty and just absolute hardship. So he probably knows how important it is to give back now that he's in a position of like wealth and circumstance. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it takes that kind of perspective beforehand in order to appreciate what wealth actually is you know have the hardship before so that when actually what you gain the wealth you know what it's like to have nothing and you know what it's like to have everything as everyone everyone values differently though don't they everyone values what sorry differently everyone values money differently like i have personally i don't have a i don't value money as much as i should because at the end of the day, you need money to do anything you want to do, but you don't need money to be happy. You just need money to enable the functions or enable the environments to help yourself grow and be happier. If you get what I mean? Yeah, me, well, me myself, I used to have it's, a bit of a bit of a lack of uh, a lack of respect for money as well. Money is the seasoning on the steak, not the steak. <laughs> The root of all evil, some say. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, I don't know, man. Like, the last few months, after years of not saving money, I've actually kind of, with being being at home for, well, just, just under two months, I managed to save quite a bit of money and just not going out and just kind of being a bit more sensible. So that's one change in perspective for me from kind of not having respect for money to actually respecting it to more, but maybe not a full respect. Maybe I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm kind of like, being aware of myself about that. Well, like I said, you can never have like a complete change very quickly. Like it's always like a, a journey to it. Like that's still an improvement regardless. Like I've only recently started saving money myself, like the past six months. So I don't know, maybe it's one of those things that come with age or maturity. Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. It's hard to really gauge, but then again, you see some people who are like 40, 50, you still can't save money or whatever. It's, it's just one of them. People and have then there's probably people who are 18 of parents, parents taught them whatever else and, you know, be able to save money in the, in the drop of a hat. Well, people are born into different circumstances. It's how you use the circumstances, isn't it? I agree. What, um, what made you save the money, Gear? Um... Well, I want to have my own place. I want to have a car. I want to be able to go about and do what I want to do. I want to be able to, you know, do what I want to do on my own terms, like we were discussing earlier. <laughs> and um, you still live with your parents now and your brother? I Is live with my brothers... mother brother still, yes. Okay. How are they? I'm not. Um, Adam, I've not spoken to in a long time, and, and I never really I, met your other brother. So. Adam's all right. He's been going to the gym consistently for like a year now. So he's working on getting in shape. He's, um, he was back at college doing um, counselling in psychology. Good man, okay. And he's been accepted into like four unis. He just doesn't know if he wants to do it. So what, at the what, end of the day... What you, like, what, what's he looking at? What's, what's, what kind of thing? Like getting into clinical psychology? or? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And to be fair, like, I've known him my whole life, and I never thought he'd be the kind to go for something academic, but he really has tried, and he's got the results, obviously. Like, the uni's won him, so I'm really proud of him for that. 
but he doesn't know whether he wants to go to university. So at the end of the day, I'd rather him do something that he's happy doing rather than stick and buy something just because it's good for him and not enjoying it. Right. Like, for the ride. Yeah. I'd be happy in what he's doing. And my little brother, um, he works in the same company I work for, William Hill, but he works in a different store. But um, he's just saving up money. He spent like two and a half thousand pounds on a computer recently. Gaming is, and stuff. Yeah, a bit much. You can buy, buy a car for that. Well, yeah. Really well, yeah that's his decision, though. If he made the money, you know, you know, that's 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 what you well, also have. That. He's younger than me, so he probably feels responsibilities attacking him a bit less. So he might feel a bit more relaxed to be able to make that purchase. How old is he, Kieran, compared to you? So you're 24. When, he's when he's 23. I turn 25 in five days. Well, I was all... Our Adam's like seven, eight years older, so there is a bit of a generation gap there. How do you? How did you ever find? I never, I've never known this. Obviously, being the middle child, you know, I was only one of two. Curious, <laughs> curious man. Well, I don't know. Like everyone says, like the middle child, it's hard being the middle child because the little, the little one gets away with murder, gets all the attention, and the oldest yeah. one can. And the oldest one can get away with murder because they're the oldest, they're the firstborn. Everyone always has an inclination towards the firstborn. You know what I mean? It's one of those. So everyone tends to like find like the middle one gets lost in the shuffle kind of thing. But I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've always been valued in the household. Did you ever feel you got lost in the shuffle? No. Like I said, I don't, yeah. I don't feel like I ever did. No. Like, mm. it's weird. Like, everyone said, like, my mother and my brothers always say I am probably the smartest one of the lot, but I have okay. the worst work ethic. So <laughs> it like, comes with both, does I? I understand yeah, you. Like, I never have all aspects <laughs> covered, balanced out completely. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll always have your hindrances. It's what you do to work on them. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm bit, I was quite guilty, you know, of being very lazy. But yeah, like you know, if like I, I'm. I, I don't say I'm smart or anything. I don't say I'm dumb. I, I am what I am, but, you know, yeah. I, I know that I have a tendency as well when I'm kind of in some deep thought and whatever, just to be like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, if I had a shred of work ethic, I believe I'd be a millionaire, but I don't, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what, what, where do you want to do your master's degree here? Where, where have you looked at? Um, if I go to do my master's degree, it probably will be in Liverpool still. Probably go JMU. Okay. I am um, John. John Moore's. You're on John Moore's. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did. I'm doing mine through Sheffield online. Oh, I am. Yeah. I have a few mates who went to Sheffield Uni. I don't know if it's any good. I've never been there. <laughs> well, they went. They went there for the education. They were there for the social scene. So it is what it is. <laughs> well, I'm here and I'm I'm there for the academic scene. So uh, you know, <laughs> you know, if you find other stuff as well, then that's what counts. <laughs> you know, when you were at university, Kieran, did you find you were often dragged into the social stuff, or did you often kind of make time for kind of what you wanted to do and stuff like? That? 
it was very rare that I got dragged into the social stuff in uni because I tend to just keep to myself anyway. But like when I was in third year, I found out everyone had a nickname for me that I didn't know. Like everyone used to call me Smirky because I just sit there with a smirk on my face. I don't know what <laughs> I do. Like I can't stop smirking for some reason. And then as soon as I found that out, I was just laughing. I you know became a bit more social with everyone. But I've never been big on going out and getting drunk because I can't handle me alcohol that well. So I tend to avoid that scenario completely. <laughs> I wish like, I was I'm, like back here. Yeah, I try and be mature because if I have like two you try two, try and be a what? Sorry, you try, and be what? I try and be more mature because more mature. <clears throat> if I have one or two, say if I have two free drinks, I'm gonna be on the floor and I won't be able to get on. I was out playing chess a few weeks ago on a Saturday. Chess. Yeah, I used to play it when I was a kid, but I kind of got back into it. And um, I think in in about four hours, I think I probably played through about seven beers. I was just like, let's go. It's funny you say that, though, because like, I know how to play chess. I've just never been hugely interested in it. And recently, I have started looking into chess a bit more on that. Like, you to Bobby Fischer? Uh, I don't know. Well, Bobby Fischer, he was, like, a world chess champion for, like, 20, 30 years. And then he randomly retired one day because he thought nobody in the world was worthy of playing him. Mm. He thought, he just, he thought, like, he went into depression because he thought, like, wow, there's never going to be anyone who's going to come close to beating me kind of thing. Um, It is a bit of a crazy, crazy story, to be that great at something to the point of, like, morbid depression. (laughs) Mag, what's Magna Carlos Magnuson? Magnuson right now is I've seen some of his games. Carl, he's, I believe he's like one of the top chess players, isn't he? Yeah, if he's not the world champion, I don't know. I can't. Don't quote me on that. But he, I've seen some of his games. It's just by the way, after drinking those beers, I, I did lose every game. So you know, <laughs> no, uh, no, no justification for what I did there. Beer, but beer and logic doesn't mix now. Uh it doesn't. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Give you that. I'll give you that one. <laughs> oh, man, good. What, um, where's kind of the next logical step with this? <clears throat> so what, you do your master's degree and I know people often ask, like, oh, and then what? But, <clears throat> like, I'm doing my master's degree right now, hopefully with the aim of eventually becoming a university teacher. Well, eventually. I had I, I did have that in my thoughts when I was doing my undergraduate. Like I just get my bachelor's degree and then I'd go and do my masters. But like I, I'm torn in the struggle between being good at English and wanting to teach it, or am I just wanting to do that because I am good at it? Mm. Is it something I really want to do, or is it just something I want to do because I am quite decent at it and can get back? I think that's good. I think it's good to have that look because at a university, I was, I was, I, I like to say I was okay at Spanish, but I think I probably got a bit too arrogant with it, and it kind of paid into my downfall maybe towards the end. You know, I didn't do horrifically, but you know, I got a two-one and finished okay. But yeah. I may, I, I might have could have got more if I kind of well, was not so kind of egocentric maybe about that. I don't know. That that is genuinely probably my biggest regret of university: just not trying hard enough. Because I ended up getting a two-one myself, and I across the whole three years, 
I revised very little. Very, very little. Like, you, you meant to read a lot of books on the courses. I didn't read many of them. I read a handful. Call it. I, I left many essays till the last day. Like, this one, one, one situation, I had a 4,000-word essay, and it was due in five hours, and I hadn't started it. Did you finish it in time? I finished it with the top marks in the class. But that, that's what makes me think. <laughs> If that's what makes you think, if I actually tried, I could have done a bit better, though. Do you know what I mean? So, it is you'll never, it is. You'll, never, you'll never know. But I think, yeah, you know... Good. If I had a shred of work ethic, it would go a long way. Going back to, you know, the kind of the chess player, kind of, and you said about English, you know, you doing it whether you want to do it or whether you know because you're good at it. And, you know, yeah. there's, the, the, there's the example of the chess player where he's so good at doing something that it's like it causes your downfall. And that even goes to like the Lancelot stuff that I'm studying now. That's kind of one thing I'm looking into myself. So it's real, you know, it happens to everybody. I think if you kind of let your virtue become your vice, really. Well, well, they say that like, if you love yourself a lot, then you've also got to hate yourself a lot. Like all, like as grand as your positive feelings may be, it'll have the same amount of negatives that come with it in parallel. Yeah, the the the, uh, the darker the dark, the brighter the light. Yeah, the dualities of life. And I think I think one of the important things for life for me is to transcend the duality complex. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like in society, like obviously a lot of stuff tends to be in bi binaries, like right and wrong, good and bad, black and white, like all these stuff. So even down to what's going on in the world now, now like in America yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Black Lives Matter. I don't know. I've never kind of got behind the whole Black Lives Matter thing, the whole so, white privilege stuff. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll go on record and say it. Well, <clears> in, I don't necessarily well, buy into in, it. In the UK, there's been a lot of protests having the, regarding the whole thing. And mm -hmm. um, there is a lockdown on currently, mm -hmm. which you're, obviously you're not meant to form large crowds of people, and people are obviously still doing that to do this protest. But then you have the other side of the argument where people are still doing protests on, like, to, like, protect the statues and to argue that they're right to be bigots, in a way. <laughs> okay. I don't know, Kieran. For me, it's just, like, for me, anyone's race or colour, they mean nothing to me. You know? Oh, yeah. The, the fact the fact that they are human is everything to me, and I will always fight for anyone's right for freedom of speech, and anyone's right to share their opinion and you know, be free. I will always do that, and that's kind of what I solemnly believe in. Yeah, that's fair enough, love. And that, I, that's I, that's only from being kind of, kind of. I don't want to say anarchist or kind of whatever, but well, not 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 nihilist. <laughs> <clears throat> not well yeah kind of being kind of anti-government or anti this an anarchist in that sense you know kind of the ideological aspect rather than the physical aspect yeah um and it's it only kind of led to my own destruction um going back to what i've said before and you know i believe everyone is one we're all different expressions of human consciousness and well like everyone says we, we all believe the same color we all we're all made up of the same thing. It it really should not matter at the end of the day. Like I feel in the year, in the year twenty twenty, we shouldn't be having these issues. But it's sad that 
they still are about. I often, you know, I often think these kind of if things are repressed in in the subconscious mind or even in society eventually the, the cork has to come off the bottle and I think that's what you're seeing you're kind of seeing the manifestation just, of pressure what's builds. been inside yeah pressure builds and eventually it will erupt and manifest in ugly ways sometimes and unfortunately that is what's happening nowadays in today's climate have there kind of been has, has Liverpool been quite busy I've not really kind of spoken about kind of the lockdown and whatever else obviously well, I, I I listen to my parents what they have to say every so often, but well, the every the lockdown had an effect, and people were respecting the lockdown. There were no crowds; everywhere was closed. But then there was a Black Lives Matter protest like two, three weeks ago, and there was like I think like two thousand, three thousand people in like by St George's Hall. Okay. And I was walking past, and one of the pair, one of the people was just like, "Oh, this is going to be a second spike in COVID nineteen." I just thought. It's sad, but that that might actually happen because of this. Do you know what I mean? Like the protest and something that is completely reasonable. It's sad that they have to protest this in this current day and age, but at what cost? Like people could die as a result of that. Well, that's you know we go back to saying before you know at the very start that is the juice worth the squeeze. You know, and I will I will never stop anyone. Uh, you know, except you know, kind of oh, yeah. violent acts and whatever else. But you know. That's their right. If they want to do that, they can do that. Anyone can fight for what they believe in, as far as I'm concerned. As But don't hurt people doing it. <laughs> don't yes. upset people doing it. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's a really good point. You know... Was, um, the right thing to do sometimes. <laughs> What was the right thing to do? Sorry, say that again. Being sensible. Being sensible. I don't. For me, it's. I always tried to ch- actively to try and change the world, and you know, kind of maybe that was a, a dream or something, whatever you want to call it. Well, but first I've changed. But first I've changed myself, and that's taken. Well, changing. It's not. It's not a completed process by any stretch, but it's changed the world for me. Well, you can and only change. You can only change your world and what's in your world. You can only have direct influence on those kind of things. Like, this is, I remember someone saying once, like, do you believe in God? But in a way, I'm God, you're God. We all are gods because we all, we all have the power to control our own destiny at the end of the day. So it, it's all in our hands. It's just how we use it. That's kind of one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast. You know, I started, you know, <clears throat> listening to other podcasts online myself. And I was like, you know, I've often had the inclination to do this and made excuses after excuse, made excuse after excuse after excuse and just never did it. And I was just like, one day, all right, do it and don't look back. And OK, this is only my third interview I've done, but I'm really happy I started this. And well, the fact that you're on as well, it's it's, it's even it's even more special that you'll hear from me. You know what I mean? Well, they say when you start when you start on something, the first step is the hardest. Like once you've actually started doing it, it tends to fall into place. Like it just seems daunting at the start when you're first trying to do it, but like once you've got it in the wheels in motion, it's not as bad as what you see. Mm. A lot I of things in life. A lot of things in life. Sorry. 
a lot of things in life are like that. They seem daunting, but are actually very rewarding once you start it. No, I mean, for like my master's degree, like I was never really a good writer, kind of. I don't even, don't even get me started on it. I was all right. <laughs> ideas, all the, ideas all over the shop and jumbled and scrambled like my brain was probably at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but after a lot of kind of hard work on it and kind of pushing myself and pushing myself and pushing myself and you know even something like this podcast trying to keep a logical kind of flow to it yeah. I think you know I hopefully would like to say one day that it was worth it and you know maybe at the start of my master's degree I might have been a shambles but you know come the end of it you know the what I have done will pay off in the end well, you know, you not 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 selfishly, but kind of, you know, it's yeah. made me grow. It's made me grow as a person and all the rest. So negatives re- and reinforcing them as a positive. Like, what was I going to say then? I'm trying to think of what I was saying. <clears throat> the transmutation of negative into positive. Yeah, like you were saying um, at the start, your masters, like your ideas were everywhere and stuff. But oh, I've lost track of what I was saying. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I think I think like I just kind of I'll, I'll re relight the fire. Um, I think I was lost in myself and could not make logical sense of my own life at the time, and therefore that manifested in the in my writing because obviously it comes from my mind, it comes from me onto well, paper. Like this, is what I was gonna say, you can't focus on stuff that you can't change. Like you had the results; they may not have been everything you thought they were, but it's been, it's gone. All you can do is use that as a learning experience and make sure it sh- it doesn't happen again, really. Mm. Yeah. Although mistakes have happened a few times with the university stuff, but you know, if I can get if I can get this Lancelot stuff right, the tick done. You know. <laughs> and I really but, have put a lot of time into it, and I know, I know, I know this time for a fact. It might not pay off highly, but I know it will pay off. I, I know for, something just tells me, you know. That juice, what I have put into it, the juice, and I always said the juice <laughs> is worth it. And that's that's... Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of my journey in a way. And, you well, know, life is about the chances you get and which ones you pick and which ones you take and do well. So, All you can do really is do your best and hopefully god willing it pays off well here we are you know all these years after kind of like meeting meeting what probably i want to say maybe like eight ten eight ten years ago playing uh, a yeah. card game together 16 17 so it was like eight nine years ago maybe something like that and you know when we went to where was it where was it nationals that year was it Birmingham? Birmingham or London? It was. It was like twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah, and you borrowed what? my mama. You borrowed yeah, my mama deck. Yeah, my sixty card mama. <laughs> Beast. And then dragons came out, and then everything just went crazy after that. What a what a financially crippling hobby that was. <laughs> I've I've invested a lot into it. Yes, like, well, so we all have at some points, like it, like. Craig has really invested in it. 
like he's 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 turned his hobby into his livelihood now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was telling me like this year he's nearly made like roughly a hundred thousand pounds just off it, and that that's actually insane when you think about it. <laughs> Was well, he a, a, a vendor for cards? No, he sells cards. He, is that what it is? Uh, he is a vendor at select events, yeah, but he spends his days just listing Yu-Gi-Oh cards one after another, one after another. Is one he after high, high-end stuff as well? He does it for commons, he does it for high-end stuff, he does it for everything. And I was just, he was saying, he was telling me that I should do it because I could earn money, but like I said, I don't have the work ethic, I do not have the patience to sit there and do it one by one by one but he's done it and he's he's reaping the rewards because of it like his job is his hobby so he, he is truly living the dream i i like the teaching stuff i do i'm not i really do that's great though isn't it that's what it's all about event, yeah. event, eventually though i'd like to take that with the arthurian stuff and ram it together that's kind of the dream would you uh, create like a mishmash um, my own, my own Sean Wilbraham um, compendium of <laughs> world, world knowledge from the from the Arthurian era. That's what I love. The Book of Life, according to Sean Wilbraham. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I've always said to myself, I write a book. I, I've got handwritten notes till I'm well, pages after pages after pages after pages. I've got. I what would never you, really turned it into something. Like, what would your book be about? I don't know. There's a, a kind of reality, like a, a kind of parallel reality. I kind of created kind of fiction. But then a few weeks ago, I kind of had this vision in a dream. And I woke up about 3.30 in the morning and just started typing about two pages of notes on my phone that just kind of came to me out of nowhere. It was really strange. That's and, um, so <clears throat> I don't know. I'd like to say fantasy, something fantasy, but... I'd like, I'd, there's, uh, honestly, I would like to write on anything. Well, I, I can't say anything, but, you know, that, that sounds a sensible thing in my head to say. But um, my kind of placing my own stamp on reality, and that's a book. Yeah. Kind of, whether, that's, whether that's a novel, whether that's um, <laughs> Just it's my own you, kind of life experiences or whatever. That it's things. funny. It's funny you say that though, because like I always thought, if I'd ever write a book, I'd because I've like I said, I study contemporary nonfiction stuff. The way I'd go about it is I'd sort of do like an essayistic nonfiction approach on Liverpool from a working class perspective, like me. So, so like in the way he takes like a walk along the east coast, like the west coast of England. No, the guy like, before you. What was his name again, yeah. sorry? W W H Sebald. S E B A L D. S A B A B. S E B A L D. A L D. Okay. Ah, okay, okay. And um, so I'd do it in a similar way to him. Like I'd sort of like go on take like a route amongst Liverpool and then I can sort of intersperse my memories, like the context, the cultural history of it, and sort of go about Liverpool and put my own stamp on things and like an essayistic romantic kind of way that's the way i do it well one thing i started doing early in my in my days in japan i just kind of go into coffee shops because i've always liked coffee shops yeah, yeah and just kind of sit there and just write notes or whichever came to my mind and then i kind of like 
see scenarios kind of unfold before my eyes and I'd make mental notes of it and then I'd go home and then kind of romanticize it out what they were saying because I couldn't understand my Japanese wasn't good enough then to at least get a general flow it's okay now to get a general flow but I used to understand yeah. flat out zero yeah um and I just used to kind of well put those people into the realm of my imagination and apply Sean to them and you know kind of what what would be created from this you with your limited understanding, you trying to like contextualize what was going on around the country. Yeah, yeah, effectively. Yeah. What was that? Sorry? That's still fun to do though. Like people say like languages people say like you don't really need language, like language is just a barrier, like you can't understand other people to a degree. Like everyone under- understands smiling, do you know what I mean? Like there's the human there's the human language and then there's the actual like general- Spoken human discourse. Linguist, linguistic. Do you know what I mean? So, Say that again, it, It's just general unspoken human discourse that people understand and can relate to. Non-verbal cues and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's one thing I think the kids get from do get from me, obviously. If they understand me for a like, while, I've ever been teaching them for a while, they get those kind of stuff I, just for me. I wouldn't have to say a word. I could just be sat here going like, and you'd know I'd be annoyed or bored or something like that, do you know what I mean? That's just what it is. You'd know, oh, great, he's not in the best of moods kind of thing. If I was just sat there like, oh, just one of them. Yeah, you don't need verbals for everything. You can just have a basic understanding of humanity and try and make sense of it, which is how a lot of people function anyway, so... I don't know. I, I think language will, obviously, uh, maybe after having done Spanish and Italian and then literature... I kind of have to validate my own path by saying, you know, I have, to, I believe, I think language is really important. And even my, even what I'm doing right now with my life, I think yeah. language is essential to absolutely everything. It's the door to perception, to quote Albert Huxley. It's the foundation. The foundation. <laughs> and what, what's the, what's, what builds on the foundation us? What well, communication and spoken discourse is what separates us from animals really isn't it like the intelligence and the things we've we can do with each other solely because we can understand and have this vast library of language that we can delve in to like signify how we feel and what we mean animals can't do that consciousness yeah yeah we're self-aware which is which is absolutely kind of going full circle and kind of everything we've been saying. Really. Yeah, yeah, in a way. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, when you start talking about something and naturally just you go yeah. with the flow of it and all the dots eventually connect. Yeah. Topics eventually will eclipse each other. Yes. Beautiful. Well, I'll leave the recording there, Karen. I'll still sleep speech on Skype for a little bit, if that's all right. That's all right. Any last things you would like to say to anyone listening? Anything at all? Any messages? Anything you'd like to share? Um, Advice? <laughs> don't overthink and worry too much about stuff you cannot control. That is the main one. It's for a secondary one that looks often. Um, up the Reds. Up Jürgen Klopp's snaky Liverpool football team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Kieran. I'll just stop for one second. Let me stop recording.